G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, if you're a part of a local church that has a charity attached to it or you're a part of a ministry that might be registered as a charity or even if you've had some difficulty registering as a charity, there are some changes you might be wanting to know about. Uh, There's been a decision in the Federal Court of Australia that was handed down just last Friday that affects the way public benevolent institutions are recognised. Well, to talk about that, Mark Fowler is a director of Newman and Turnour Lawyers in Brisbane and also a specialist in charities law. Mark's joining us today. Hi, Mark. Welcome back to 2020. Hi, Neil. Great to be with you. Mark, what does it mean that the full court of the federal court has uh, brought about a decision? What are the facts in this particular case that actually might affect a whole lot of institutions? Thanks, Neil. Look, um, as you said, the, the case principally concerns public benevolent institutions, or PBIs. Um, and the case on the facts involved an entity called Hunger Project Australia, which was part of a wider array of companies, we're seeing this more and more in the charity sector, uh, that operated internationally, and its principal base was in New York. The way it was set up was to provide relief from poverty in developing countries through the provision of aid and so on. And Hunger Project, as part of that array of companies, was established in Australia essentially to fundraise. So it wasn't doing very much direct relief of poverty in its own right. The issue that came before, first of all, Justice Perham of the um, Federal Court and now the full Federal Court and decided last Friday uh, was whether or not a charity was required to provide direct relief in order to satisfy the definition of a public benevolent institution. And why it's so critical is to be a PBI uh, for tax purposes means that you can then be a deductible gift recipient so you can receive gifts from donors who can then deduct it against their own tax liability. And it also meant that you could uh, utilise the fringe benefit tax exemptions available to PBIs and you could use those to salary sacrifice and attract staff Uh, and also to maximise the resources you can direct to your charitable purposes because you're essentially paying less tax because of that fringe benefit tax exemption. So those were the issues up for grabs. And the reason why it came before the federal court was because the ATO had taken a position for many years that it was a requirement for all PBIs that they provide direct relief. So... An entity like Hunger Project, which just itself fundraised in Australia, wasn't providing direct relief because the funds then went to other entities offshore, which themselves provided direct relief. And on the ATO's interpretation held for many years, uh, that entity could not be a PBI. Whilst it might have been a charity, couldn't be a PBI. So that was the, the question up for grabs. 
And um, the ATO was relying on some very old cases back to 1931, a High Court decision, Perpetual Trustees, uh, which concerned a public benevolent institution. And one of the judges made reference to direct, and uh, the facts of that case were that direct relief was provided. Uh, but the judge uh, didn't really conclude... Well, ultimately, it was found by the full federal court on Friday that that reference wasn't a fully conclusive statement of the law which uh, for which there was no flexibility across time. But in fact, the actual reference to direct wasn't intended as the way the commissioner had been interpreting it um, from the 1931 case. And so, that therefore... There isn't a requirement that a PBI provide direct relief to persons in poverty or distress. So an entity like a Hunger Project can just do fundraising and still be a PBI and therefore access deductible gift recipient status and fringe benefit tax exemption status. Mark, what does it mean for charities in Australia that want that PBI status? Uh, Does it mean that there is now a more flexible approach, uh, that the tax office won't be perhaps as harsh in the way that it actually gives that uh, recognition of PBI status? Potentially. uh, The tax office will be bound by the decision, just as it was uh, bound by the uh, decision of Justice Perham in the first instance. Excuse me. The assessment of whether an organisation is a PBI currently now rests with the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profit Commission. So they apply the test, then determine whether you're a PBI, and then turn you back to the ATO, and the ATO works out what charitable tax benefits then accrue to you in your particular circumstances. So the question of whether or not you're a PBI now actually lies with the ACNC, um, and we may see the current government has Uh, declared its uh, intention to abolish that commission and to return functions back to the ATO. So when the Senate is reconstituted uh, in a matter of weeks, we may have some visibility anyway, at least in the next coming months, as to who will be determining it. But to answer your question, the ATO will be bound by that interpretation. It has 28 days in which to uh, appeal the decision of the full federal court to the High Court. Given the weightiness of the decision and uh, possibly some of the effects on the revenue base, uh, if there is an expansion of the types of entities that can gain PBI status, we may well see an appeal to the High Court. However, certainly the, uh, those charities that have been knocked back from PBI status, even though they may be uh, constituted to relieve poverty or distress, uh, may take particular interest in the decision Certainly after the uh, the 28 days expires, or even before, given that it may take some time for the High Court to decide, such charities might want to consider whether or not um, they should make a further application for PBI status. And also for those that never contemplate it because of this direct relief test that have been applied by the ATA, may also want to consider making an application. How do people find out about whether they would be affected? Does uh, the court or does the tax office uh, then notify people who've been knocked back for a PBI status that they they can reapply? Does it no. work like that? It doesn't. No, it really no. works out, uh, you know, yours and my conversation right now, perhaps being listened into by various ones in charities. Uh, this is the way people would find out. Exactly right. So... Yes, that's correct. Um, and look, there's a number of um, law firms like our uh, law firm that focuses on charities. 
We give regular updates. If you were to get it or if your listeners were to get in touch with us, they could be added to our regular update uh, email update. So we put out an update on this particular case as well. And that's a good way. Law firms like us are a good way to keep apprised of these kind of developments. Well, Mark Fowler, very information-filled, and uh, <laughs> thanks for being able to share these things with us. Uh, Mark yeah, is a director of Newman and Turnour Lawyers in Brisbane. You can find them on the web. Mark Fowler, always good talking. Thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks for your time, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.